0: This is the Incredible Hulk. Um, he is a superhero. He's one of the Avengers in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, his name is Doctor Bruce Banner. He is a mild-mannered scientist until he gets angry, and then he turns into the seven-foot, green-skinned giant with superhuman strength and subhuman intelligence. Now, now in the Marvel movies, he's usually played for laughs. Uh, you know, his catchphrase is Hulk smash, right? And and audience, we watch it, and we want the Hulk to show up, and we want him to be smashing things, right? That's, that's the fun. But when I was growing up, I got to know a different kind of a Hulk, right? Uh, this is the Hulk of my childhood. Um, this is the Hulk from the, the TV series that ran from the late 70s and, and early 80s called The Incredible Hulk. And, and this series is very different, has a very different feel. It's much darker, and um, it's tinged with sadness. First, uh, his name is not Bruce. It's David Banner. And second, the Hulk is not a superhero. Yeah, he's actually on the run. Uh, the authorities are going after him. And he has no Avenger friends. He, he has no friends. He is a drifter, traveling from town to town every episode, looking for a cure so he can stop being the Hulk. And so his catchphrase is, Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. But yes, somehow every episode, right? He tries to help people. He gets into situations. And eventually he gets angry and the Hulk shows up. And this is where the show really shows its ambivalence toward the Hulk. Because yes, the Hulk helps people. The Hulk rights wrongs. The Hulk takes down the bad guy. But the Hulk also terrifies people. The Hulk alienates people, and at the end of every episode, you have David Banner walking away alone from another town, thumb out, hitchhiking, and there's that sad, melancholy piano solo playing as the credits roll. The Hulk is a problem. Now, the idea of the Hulk is pretty straightforward. I mean, the idea is that there's something inside every one of us. We all have something that's, like, that's kind of like this raging fury that's ready to be unleashed. And when it comes out, it is powerful, yes, but it is also destructive. It destroys. It destroys objects. It destroys people. It destroys relationships. It destroys institutions. It destroys countries. And right now, I think we're in a season where I think many of us feels like the Hulk is right below the surface, ready to take control at any moment. We are in a season of anger And we see it everywhere. We see it in social media, see it on the cable news. We see it in the the polarization in our communities, in our family, and even in our churches. Today we're going to talk about this anger, and we're going to get into what the Bible has to say about it. But before I keep going, let me introduce myself. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. I want to greet those of you who are here and those of you joining us uh, in Gospel Fusion in Traditions, Fitchburg, downtown. A big shout out to those of you who are watching online and those of you who are listening in on our podcast. Uh, to the Chinese speakers, Dijong Jie Mei Ping An. To the Spanish speakers, Es un gusto tenerlos aquí con nosotros. And to everybody, we're we're welcome to Blackhawk Church. We're so glad you're here. Now, there's a lot to say about anger. So let me just lay three things out right in front. Number one. Anger isn't the problem of just one person, okay? it's usually affects multiple parties. There's some of you right now, you are going through a season where you're struggling with bouts of anger, and you feel like you're losing control. And there's some of you right now, you are on the receiving end out of out-of-control anger, whether it's at home, at work, or with your friends. Either way, whether you're the one getting angry or you're the one receiving it, talk to somebody. This is absolutely critical. Talk to somebody. Here at Blockup, we have a care team, okay? Connect with them. If you're in one of our sites, go to your welcome desk. They, they, they're going to give you a card. They can give you information on how to contact the care team. But the easiest way is go to our website. Go to our sermon resource page, connect to our care team, and you can fill out a form there, and somebody from the care team will get in touch with you to connect you with resources that may help you. Second thing. Mental health professionals have done a lot of study on anger. And what they have to say are deeply insightful to help us understand our anger and how to manage it. We have some of the resources on our website linked on our sermon resource page. Go and check them out. And finally, I am not a trained mental health professional. So it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for me to come up here and talk about anger from a psychological perspective based on things I read on the internet. I am trained in the Bible and trained in theology. So today I want to help you understand your anger from a theological perspective. So let me begin with a foundational truth about anger. Feeling angry is part of what it means to be human. Now what do I mean by that? Well, one of the ways to understand this is that we all get angry. Now, now last week, Pastor Chris was up here, and in the second service, he said something interesting. He said, he has never seen me get angry. And my response to that is, Chris, you have never seen me behind the wheel. (laughs) I learned how to drive on the freeways of Southern California. I drive angry. I get mad at people for driving the speed limit, because, like, seriously, who drives the speed limit, right? Right. I get mad at people who come in front of me and slow down. Oh, and I get mad at people who don't react fast enough when the light turns green. I get mad at what I perceive to be poor drivers. But I'm pretty much, pretty much mad at everybody else too. Because you see, here's a fundamental problem with driving in Madison, and that's it. Is that, that is, we don't honk our horns enough. I'm serious, okay? Honking your horns help poor drivers learn to become better drivers. That is a scientifically proven fact. Okay, I just made that up. But but when you don't honk your horns, what happens is poor drivers don't get better. And then when I honk my horns, I feel like I'm the jerk around here. So I end up avoiding honking my horns, and then I stew in my anger, and I drive angry. There's a very good reason why I will never put a fish decal on my car. Now, I know some of you are judging me right now. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, those of you laughing, you know you're judging me. But that's okay, totally, judge away, judge away. Because here's, here's, here's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing that there are some other contexts and some other ways in which you get angry, where there's that feeling of mild irritation all the way to Hulk-like rage and fury. We all experience anger. And that is one way to understand the statement, feeling angry is part of what it means to be human but I also mean it another way. I mean it theologically. You see, the Bible teaches us that we humans, we are created as the image of God. That, that means my, my whole being, my, my, my whole being, the combination of body and soul, reveals God's characteristics, which means our feelings of anger reveals God's anger. That's right. God gets angry. If you go through the Bible and count up all the anger-related words, close to 70% of the time, they're talking about God getting angry. That's over 500 times in the Bible. God gets angry a lot in the Bible. If you don't think God gets angry, you're not getting your ideas of God from the Bible. Okay? So, now here's the problem. God doesn't just get angry. The Bible absolutely unapologetic about God's anger. The Bible celebrates God's anger. Here's a few examples. Here's Psalm 2, okay? He, that's God, okay? And, and the psalm is like exulting, They're happy. The psalm is just saying, he rebukes them in his anger, yeah! He terrifies them in his wrath, yeah! Okay, the yeah is part of the Hebrew, okay? Not showing up in English. Just kidding, just kidding. Psalm, verse, Psalm 7, 6. Arise, Yahweh. When you see the word Lord in all caps, that marks God's personal name, Yahweh. Arise, Yahweh, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. What about the New Testament? This is Jesus getting angry. The he here is Jesus, right? Jesus, mild manner, nice guy. He, Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed, deeply distressed, at their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. The Bible celebrates God's anger. And we're like, wait, that's really weird, right? I mean, in our culture, we don't like the idea of an angry God. That, that, that's, that's uncomfortable. We, 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 you know, we, we like a God that's loving and kind and cuddly and forgiving. So yeah, I think we know God gets angry, but we don't really wanna talk about it. That's us. The Bible, God's anger front and center, something worthy of celebration. When that happens, when the Bible's perspective is so different from our own, something is going on, something important is going on, and we need to pay attention. Especially because we're made in the image of God. If we want to to understand our anger and how to manage it, we need to begin by understanding God's anger. So let's get into God's anger. The Bible says there are two things that causes two major reasons why God gets angry. Number one, God gets angry when humans are cruel to each other. Now how's that? Well, the Bible story goes like this. God creates the universe. He creates the cosmos. And it's a perfect creation. It's really wonderful. It's really good. And as the pinnacle of his creation, God creates humans as his image to reflect his character and to reflect his power. And then God invites these humans into a relationship to say, hey, let's rule this universe together. Well, that doesn't go so well. The first humans rebel against God. Instead of saying, hey, let's rule the world together with God, they say we want to be God. And everything falls apart. Our relationship with God falls apart. Our relationship with the world falls apart. Our relationship with each other falls apart. And we humans, we start to become cruel to each other. But here's the thing. Even as broken human beings, we are still images of God. Corrupted, yes, but images, nonetheless. Which means when I'm cruel to another person, I'm being cruel to a person who represents God. And God takes that personally. God gets angry. And the Bible says this anger is good. The Bible presents a God who is intense and passionate. A God who is committed to these human beings that he has created. And because he is committed, he cares deeply about what's going on in our world. And because he cares deeply, when something goes wrong, when there's injustice, when there's oppression, when there's suffering, God gets mad. And the Bible says that's a good thing. Because his anger guarantees that he is going to do something about it. Does that make sense? A God who doesn't get angry is a God who doesn't care. It means he created the world and left it to its own devices. If you want God to be active in our world, anger comes with a package. Now the second major reason, the Bible says, why God gets angry um, connect, relates to a particular group of people. So let's go back to the story of the Bible, right? So humans rebelled, okay? the world is rebelling against God. So God now approaches and recruits a small group of people and he says to them, hey, let's develop a relationship where, where you love me, I love you. You're going to be my people. i want to be your God. And I'm going to help you grow into a place where you reveal my character. And you can live that out, out in front of the world, and the world will see, see that and be drawn back to me. Okay. Now, this group of people in the Old Testament is known as Israel, and the New Testament is known as the church. And this is a group of people that has pledged their allegiance to God and had to say to God, yeah, we will love you back. We are part of this relationship. Well, as you can imagine, things don't work so well. In the Bible, frequently, God's people reject him. They turn away from him. So there's a lot of situations in the Bible where it's talking about God's anger, God's pain, God's frustration. Because his people, the ones that he loves, don't want to love him back. I know this sounds really weird to talk about God's anger and pain and suffering, i are not used to talking that way. So, so let me see if I can start with a human perspective, a human story, maybe it'll help us out a bit, okay? So let's say you have a close friend. And this close friend is beginning to take you for granted. This friend doesn't make any initiatives to maintain the friendship. In fact, you, know, you, you, you set up a coffee date and then they blow you off last second. Uh, this, but this friend, like, the, if they need anything, like help them move out of their apartment, you're the first one they text, and they try to guilt you into helping them. At some point, you're going to feel a little irritated. right? You're going to feel angry. And that anger is entirely appropriate. And that anger is going to then spur you to have a conversation with your friend. This anger is good. It reflects your ability to have healthy relationships with other people. Now think about this. Our God is the greatest being in the universe. And part of what that means is that he is the most emotionally rich and relationally healthy being in the universe. Okay? Which means God is capable of deep, profound relationships. And it also means that he gets angry when people who are supposed to love him reject him and betray him. Now, I know it sounds weird to talk about God that way. I know it is because for such a long time, we've been presented with a God who feels nothing. Right? A God, a stoic God, a God of the Greek philosophers, a God with a stiff upper lip. But what we have been imagining is an emotionally stunted God who is a projection of our emotionally stunted human culture. It is not the God of the Bible. Read through your Bible pay attention to the full range of emotions that our God experiences our God is the most emotionally rich and relationally healthy being in the universe and what that means is that when he is betrayed by his loved ones he gets angry now not only does God get angry when there's injustice and cruelty and not only when God gets angry when His love, people he loves and who's supposed to love him betray him, anger is also part of God's self-understanding. There's that fascinating passage in the book of Exodus where, where Moses, you know who Moses is, right? He, he's, like, he's learning things about God. He's like, you know what? I need to get to know this God better. I really need to know who he is. So he says to God, can I please see you? And God wouldn't let him see him face to face, but he does describe himself with words. He reveals his own self-understanding. And this passage shows up in, in the book of Exodus, chapter 34. And this is where God starts talking to Moses. And he, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This is God's self-understanding. This is how he sees himself. And yes, God is compassionate. Yes, God is gracious. Yes, God is love. And yes, God is faithfulness. But also, God is anger. We have a God who cares about justice, therefore he gets angry. We have a God who is relationally healthy, therefore he gets angry. Anger is part of his self-understanding, but here's the important part. He is slow to anger. God's anger is slow anger. Slow anger is steady. Slow anger provides the impetus for God to act over the long haul. But it doesn't cloud God's judgment. It doesn't cloud his thinking. God's anger is not irrational. It is not rash. It doesn't create random damage. It is not Hulk smash. No. God's anger compels him to produce what is good, to establish justice, to restore relationships, to inject wholeness and healing to our community. God's anger delivers his people from oppression, And it enables his people to grow and learn. Slow anger provides the drive to act, but allows the space for wisdom to come in to do what is good. That's God's anger. Now let's talk about our anger. So we are images of God. God gets angry. We get angry, right? Obviously. Which means, okay, no, stop. Because some of you are going to go off and go, hey, Pastor Charles today said, I get angry, and that's part of God's anger. Yeah! Okay? And I get as angry as I want. Okay, no, 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 don't do that. Okay, do not, do not do that. Okay? Because what you cannot forget, what you cannot forget is that not only are we images of God, we are corrupted images of God. Which means our anger is a corrupted reflection of God's anger. Which is why the Bible has very different things to say about human anger as compared to God's anger. Check this out. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is talking to Christ followers who are supposed to reflect God's character. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Down in Colossians. "But But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. I can go on and on with this. Overall, the Bible has negative things to say about human anger, which is not surprising. Our anger is corrupted. But does that mean that our anger is evil? Does it mean that it's wrong, it's a sin, and we shouldn't feel any anger? Well, not necessarily. In that very same chapter, right a few verses before, Paul writes this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Is anger a sin? Not necessarily. Are you supposed to never feel anger? No. But is anger a problem? Yes. Something to be managed. This makes sense, right? I mean, think about it, right? If our anger is a corrupted reflection of God's anger, then if I tell you, hey, don't ever feel angry, what am I telling you to do? I'm telling you to stop reflecting God. That doesn't make sense. No, the biblical approach, the biblical path forward is with the help of the Holy Spirit, help us move to a place where we move away from the corruption so that our anger can image God properly. That's the path forward. Look at the book what James has to say about this. Verse 19 of chapter 1, James says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Does that ring a bell? Right. He's talking about slow anger, he is talking about divine anger. James is saying, Hey, don't throw away your anger. No, 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 embrace the way God gets angry. Slow it down. Do slow anger. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It does not produce what is good and right. And why is that? Because human anger is fast anger. Here's what fast anger looks like. A few years ago, I was driving on M, going eastward around the north side of Lake Mendota. And you know when you get past Q, the road narrows? from two lane to one lane, well, I was driving in the middle, and this guy, this car was coming behind me, and he was on the shoulder, on the right, and he was going to come right in front of me and fit right in. Now, is that wrong? That's wrong. You can agree with me on that one, right? That is absolutely wrong. He is wrong for doing that, okay? So I'm like, well, justice says he should not be able to get in front of me. So I speed up, and now I'm within two inches of the bumper of the car in front of me. Right? And, and he's driving next to me, and he's on the shoulder, and there's, there's like a, you know, a, 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 a mailbox coming up, right? He's gonna hit that pretty soon. And I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, you're not getting him, buddy. And I'm just like, I'm giving him that look, right? Okay, now let's think about this. Let's just think about this through, okay? Was he wrong? He was wrong, he was totally wrong. Thank you, thank you. He was totally wrong. Am I right to be angry, or at least mildly irritated? Yes. So where do things go wrong? I acted in my anger. In the middle of trying to prevent him from getting in front of me and and prevent that injustice, I drove in a way that put myself, people in my car, the car in front of me, and that guy all in danger because I wasn't thinking about the consequences. Fast anger does not produce good results. Fast anger is when we act in the throes of our anger, when we say things and do things and make decisions in the throes of our anger. And when we're angry, you know what that feels like, right? You get the blood rushing in your ears, you got the heart pounding, and you're like, whoa, we got sweat, come, sweat coming out, and what's happening? Words come out fast, actions come out fast, decisions come out fast, and there's no time to think, there's no time to process, and no time to decide what's going to happen. Fast anger, that's fast anger. And so, what does the Bible recommend? Well, very simple slow it down. What does slow anger do for us? Well, slow anger creates a space where we can use our wisdom. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 says, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not be quickly provoked. Don't get riled up, slow it down, create the space where you can think about what's going on. You see, here's the problem. Okay? Not only is our anger corrupted, so is our logic and our rationality. And when you get angry, what does your logic and your rationality do? They make us think we're right. We use our rationality and our, and our logic to gather all the reasons why I should be angry and they're wrong, I'm right. Are your thinking processes are going that direction in that moment. That's part of the brokenness, that's part of the corruption. You realize that, right? You cannot trust what you're thinking when you're angry. It takes time. I don't know how long it takes for you. Takes me hours, sometimes days, sometimes weeks. (laughs) For me to get enough distance to go, huh, Am I really right about that? Was my thoughts about that correct? What is really driving my anger? Is this really a sense of j- injustice? Or, or am I just not getting my way? Is my ego hurt? Or was I, did I respond that way because I was feeling anxious? I was feeling vulnerable? You see, you see psychologists tell us that anger is frequently a secondary emotion. It is response when something else is going wrong. Right? It's like I have a bad day at work, so what do I do? I, get, I go home and take it out on my family. Or or this one is really personal. I get angry when I'm hungry. I get hangry. (laughs) Don't make me hungry. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. (laughs) My office is packed with food. Just just for you you to know that. So not only does slowing it down allow us to think through things. The most important part of this is that slowing it down allows us to think about the outcome. Anger gets us moving. It gets us acting. What do you want to do? What do you want to do with that anger? What kind of result do you actually want? Well, here's a clue for those of us who are Christ followers. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. We Christ followers are called to be peacemakers. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It is not merely the absence of conflict, it is about cohesion, harmony, and health. It is about includes justice as well as freedom from oppression. We're peacemakers. We want that result. So even if your anger is coming from the right place, it needs to be properly channeled. It needs to see the bigger picture. It needs to see what God is up to in this situation. In other words, our anger needs to meet and work with God's anger. All right, let's get practical. How do we do slow anger? Step one, recognize when you're angry. Now, I don't know how to help you do that, okay? frankly, because I think, I think for most of us, there is a voice that says, hey, I'm getting angry, I'm getting angry. When it's happening. But sometimes we ignore it. And I think for many of us who try to, to, to oppress and never feel angry, we don't pay attention. Okay, we need to pay attention to that voice that says, I'm angry. Because anger is a signal that says something is wrong, okay, or you're getting hurt. Pay attention. And if you can, in the moment of being angry, says, oh wow, I'm getting angry, that allows you to take the second step, which is this. Create space. When Serena and I first got married, we got married and immediately moved to another country. And that first year, we fought all the time. We were trying to get used to each other, and we're trying to get used to living in another country. And and here's the problem. One of the big problems is we were always fighting at night. Because somebody told us, well, you shouldn't go to sleep on your anger. Now, people who said that, they're using that verse in Ephesians where it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Right? Right? Okay. Now, okay, I don't have time to get into that verse. But I'm just telling you right now, Paul is not requiring that we settle all our arguments before we go to sleep. That's not what that verse is about. And I know that advice works for a lot of folks, and that's great. But can I just say that that advice was disastrous for Serena and I? Because... I get tired at night. I'm not a night person. And when I'm exhausted, words don't come out right. And things escalate and things get worse. And there was that turning point one, one night, it's like two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, I'm so tired. And I said, Serena, I'm exhausted. This is not a good time to be talking about this. Can we talk about it tomorrow afternoon? That was a revelation. You can schedule your fights. I'm not saying I do this well, okay? I'm not saying I do this well at all. Serena just recently told me that, that, that when, when we have arguments at night, I just get really passive aggressive. So in the middle of an argument at night, I would literally just fall asleep. Yeah. Um, now, I like, in my defense, I like to say that I'm still technically creating space. <laughs> I am still slowing things down, but just not in a very nice way. <laughs> So I would not recommend it. But here's the thing to learn. Okay? When you realize you're getting angry when you're talking to somebody, okay, learn this sentence. I need to think about that more. Can we continue this conversation fill in the blank? Okay. Can we do that? Recognize you're getting angry and create some space. Create some space. Okay. Pause. Now... Don't use that as an excuse to not have the conversation. Be intentional and have the conversation. Otherwise, you'd just be avoiding difficult conversations. That's not good either. Okay. Now, when it comes to things that are coming in, not a person in front of you, but like, you know, social media, a tweet, or an email of some sort that gets you really, really angry, write a response if you must. But do not, do not, do not, do not send it immediately. Do not post it immediately. Wait. Know yourself. How long would it take for you to develop the right frame of mind? 24 hours? 48 hours? Wait on it. That's an easy one to practice. Okay? All right. Step three. Now that you know you're angry, and now you've created some space, don't waste the space. Use that space wisely. So what do you do? Well, first thing I can think about is talk to God. One of my breakthrough moments with God is when I said to God, this is by actual prayer, God, I am so pissed off. Express anger to God. Now I know some of you are like, no, 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 no. When we talk to God, it's got to be with pious words, with holy words. We can't do things like that. Okay. It's biblical to express anger to God. I can show you passages after passages after passages. It is biblical to express anger to God. See, our problem is we think we need to say nice things to God and we use angry words on other people. That needs to be reversed. <laughs> okay? God can handle your anger. Vent at him. Why can't he handle your anger? We just learned it. Our anger is a corrupted reflection of his anger. He understands your anger better than you know yourself. He understands anger. He is somebody who gets angry. So talk to him. Explain the situation as part of your prayer. Vent at him. Tell, tell God how, 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 what a jerk that somebody else is. That crazy driver. Talk, talk, to, talk to God about it. Sometimes you get nothing. And sometimes, oh, I haven't thought of that. God gives me insights. He gives people insights. Give God a chance. When you're angry, talk to God about it. And of course, talk to a good friend and this now this is where it gets tricky right because sometimes what happens is okay I'm mad at a friend I talk to another friend who's part of the friend group what happens in under the under the 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 excuse of getting advice what am I doing I'm rounding up people to gang up on that person Uh, counselors call this triangulation not good very destructive relationships it happens at work it happens at churches it happens among friends happens all the time don't do that find a person who's not involved in the situation find a person who doesn't know that person or is really really not disconnected and then talk to them and choose somebody who is not going to just accept your word for it but who's actually going to then challenge you about your reading the situation who's not just going to echo back your anger, but then go, really? Is that why you're angry? What about this? What about this? Somebody's going to help you think through why you're getting angry. And more importantly, somebody who's going to help you work through what's the right outcome. You're angry, and this is going to, something's going to happen. What do you want to see happen? So talk to somebody who's committed to the biblical idea of shalom, of peacemaking so you can move toward that as Christ followers. I think the problem we have is that we feel like we have two choices. We have either swallow our anger or go Hulk smash. And I think the Bible says, no, 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 no. Your anger is a reflection, a corrupted reflection, but nonetheless a reflection of God's anger. Therefore, move toward God. Okay? Move to slow anger. Let's put James, the verse from James, back up, and let's, let's read it together, shall we? Okay, together now. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let me pray for us. Father, we confess that we get angry and that anger is destructive. We have destroyed relationships. We have destroyed other people. We have, we have done all kinds of things in anger because we do not control it very well. We do not manage it well. And there's some of us here who have swallowed and suppressed our anger for so many years that we don't even know when we're angry. And that has hurt us as well because we don't have deep relationships with people as a result. All kinds of unhealth comes from this and we confess all that before you. We lay that before you and says, Father, we need your help. As the God who gets angry, and knows how to do it right. Father, give us wisdom. Give us the community where we can do anger properly. Give us the patience to slow things down. Help us, Father. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.